Welcome to the Dream Big Nation podcast. In this show, veteran recruiter, wealth mentor, and entrepreneur, Lisa Williams, will take you on a journey of exploration and discovery to learn what it takes to hire yourself. Are you ready to dream big and grow into the person you're meant to become? If so, you're in for a treat. And now, here is your host, Lisa Williams. Hello, friends. Welcome back to our Dream Big Nation podcast. I'm Lisa Williams, your host. And as you know, we have so many wonderful stories of people hiring themselves on our podcast. And my new friend, Miss Ellen Yin, she is the founder of Cubicle to CEO, and it's an online membership teaching entrepreneurs who sell client services, how to make their first 10K. I would definitely like to make sure we book a session after this, Ellen. And she does it without even needing a very large audience, which I think is a big struggle. But I want to tell you one thing before we let Ellen speak. I met her through a program that we're both doing, uh, or a boot camp. It was called Be Seen on TV. And her story of how she got herself out of student, student debt really, really struck a chord with me. My friends know that I'm very, a big passionate girl around helping women find their passion around money and getting clear on their money. So Alan, welcome to our show. I'm so excited to speak with you, my dear. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Absolutely. So let's just give our audience just the quick kind of 411 on Ellen to begin with. Sure. Oh my gosh. I feel like you know, when in an interview, someone asks you like, tell me about yourself. You're like, all right, how do I condense my life story into 30 seconds? But for, for the purpose of this podcast, I'll just give you a little backstory on how I got into entrepreneurship. So about, I guess, almost four years ago now in 2017, I actually left my corporate job without a backup plan. So I kind of jumped into the unknown and I just knew that wasn't the place for me. And so I felt like I needed to be a catalyst for my own change. And shortly after I actually ended up signing my very first client, they were a local mom and pop coffee stand that needed some help with their Instagram marketing. And that project grew into a social media marketing agency with clients of all different industries and all different phases of their journeys from startups to, I think our biggest brand was like a billion dollar global brand. So really runs the gamut. And then in recent in recent times especially over 2020 and now going into 2021, our focus as a company has been on helping service-based entrepreneurs, so anyone who works with clients or sells something one to one, we help you make your first $10,000 month without a large audience or posting every day through our online membership, our courses and my podcast Cubicle to CEO. I love it. And tell us, how did you, I'm always curious how you decided to make that leap. Mm. And we talked about you, you had a layoff, perhaps was that the time that you really were prompted to do it? No. So that was actually earlier in my journey, but I'm happy to share about that. So my very first job, so I graduated college 2016. My very first job out of college was a full-time position working as a marketing public relations 
I don't know, coordinators, you know, something of that nature for a fitness company based out of Colorado. And I'm in Oregon. So it was a remote position. I loved the company, loved the founders. And honestly, when I first got that job, I really saw myself in that, in that company or in that role long-term, but you know, they went through a big transition as a business and basically they had to lay off their entire team. And this was about, I think, right around my one year mark with them. And so it was unexpected. And at the time, of course, you know, very sad because I loved this business and I loved the team that I worked with, but I think it was so important that it happened because losing that job, you know, in that interim, I was able to explore different projects. Like for example, I worked at, I worked front desk at a hair salon, which is totally random, right? But in that role, I was able to bring ideas to the owner and say like, Hey, I think you guys could be using video marketing. And I got to explore and test different skills and passions of mine and be able to utilize my skill sets for different projects. I also helped another social media manager and contracted was contracted under them to help with some of their freelance clients that also developed my skills. And I think through those projects, I was actually able to land my next job, which was my first and last corporate job. (laughs) And that is the one that I actually quit at the end of 2017 to jump into entrepreneurship. So it kind of all came full circle and, you know, lemons to lemonade, as you said earlier, Lisa. Yeah. And in terms of like how I made that leap, I I don't think there was any one thing necessarily that gave me the courage to do it. It was more so this understanding that there's no such thing as perfect timing. I think that's something I realized. And if I waited for an arbitrary thing to happen in my life, like, oh, I've stayed in this job, let's say for two years, or, oh, I've um, hit this promotion or whatever it was. I felt like there was never going to be a perfect opportunity for me to leave. So I needed to just create that, that change myself and say, okay, if I know this is not what is fulfilling me and I know that it's, that's not going to change the longer I stay in the position, it's not like it's going to make a difference in how I feel about it. And so ultimately that's kind of what encouraged and pushed me to, to leave. How did your family feel, Ellen, when you're like your parents? I know sometimes parents can be your biggest cheerleader, but they can also be like, what do you mean you're leaving a corporate job for? Oh, totally. Yeah. No, you're spot on, Lisa. Well, and especially Asian parents. Can mm-hmm. I just say that? <laughs> My best friend is Filipino and she she has this thing. She says, if you get a B, it's like an Asian F. <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> No, definitely. And, you know, I'm a first generation American. So my family and I immigrated here. So we're very traditional immigrant upbringing. And you're right. I think parents are very well meaning. You know, obviously, most want the best for their kids. So I don't fault anybody for being worried about losing, quote unquote, what society deems as a secure and stable career path. But my parents were definitely worried. I think they would have preferred that I find that I had found like another position and had something else lined up before I just up and quit my, you know, current one. But I'm I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did because had I waited until I found another job before I left that one, I don't think I ever would have been an entrepreneur or at least in my current 
season of life, I don't think that's where I would be because I would have had no reason to explore a completely different path. So yeah, I I hope that answers your question there. It does. And I think you bring up a really good point because I mean, for, for those that are listening to this later, we're in the midst of COVID. I'm recording in my office. My husband's making a juice in the other room. That's why it's so loud. Sorry, friends. But, you know, I think so many people are finding themselves in a time of transition, mm-hmm. not to their choosing. Mm-hmm. And, it, but it's such an exciting time. If I think if you embrace it as that, as an mm-hmm. opportunity to transition. So speak to the, speak to the people right now that are just, they don't know what to do right now. Mm-hmm. but they know that maybe there's that entrepreneurial spark in them to do something for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to encourage anybody listening who finds himself in that position that I also did not know what I was doing, or I honestly, when I quit my job, it's not that I quit my job in order to start a business. I had no intention of starting a business. I really was quitting to find the next job that I thought would be more fulfilling and and more in alignment with where I saw my career going. But in the interim, because I had a skill set, an existing skill set, Instagram marketing that could help somebody in my network, those local um, coffee shop owners, I thought, hey, why not? You know, while I'm in the job search, I might as well help someone. And because I loved that experience so much, I thought, wait a second, if I can get this one client, I can do it again and again. And so I find that with most people who start businesses, it really comes about organically when you start to look within your existing network and and asking yourself what am i the go-to person for in my circle of friends and my professional network what kinds of questions do i get all the time what comes second nature to me that for other people you know it might be mind blowing that this is like just what i do but that's your natural gift or that's something that you already know that's knowledge in your head skills that you've obtained over a lifetime of living as a person. And so I would really encourage you that if you find yourself answering questions of a certain type all the time, or you are the go-to person for a certain thing, lean into that curiosity and don't be afraid to try starting by just helping one person. And you don't have to make this like huge announcement and be like, Hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm starting a business. It's okay to literally just help your neighbor next door and be like, yeah, I I actually do have a skill set that would match, you know, the problem that you have. Let me help you with this project and lean into that. And if you find it exciting and you're like, I want to do this again, let me replicate this whole process again. You can build very organically without having to necessarily just make this clean cut off and say, okay, today is the day I become an entrepreneur. I love that you said that. I love that you said that. So what you're saying is really, really capitalize and be clear on what you truly are blessed with, what your gifts are because they likely will be able to serve someone else in what, mm-hmm. you know, how, what they need help with. What, so what are your, what are, what would you say your two, two blessings that really just come so naturally to you? I think first would be relationships and networking. I think I have a natural 
ability to foster connections with people, even, even the first time that we meet. And it's something I genuinely enjoy doing. It's my favorite part of building a business, which I think you and I, Lisa, definitely connected on that aspect of business building. You um, like people. You yes. like, yeah, you like yes. people. And that's okay <laughs> if you don't, but that's really, it's a, it's a lovely quality about you. Thank you so much. I think that's one of my superpowers. I think another one is definitely communication in, in multiple formats, whether it's written, verbal, or, or whatever it may be. I, I have always had a love for words and I think it stems from childhood was a voracious reader, loved writing. I used to enter writing contests as a kid. I was so nerdy. I know And when I went to college spirit sister, I did the same (laughs) thing. I was that girl that had the, you know, cover over my head and my mom would come in and honey, you have to turn the flashlight off. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. I, I could just read. I mean, honestly, if you're like, if I could just pay you to do one thing for the rest of your life, what are you going to do? I'm like, read, just pay me to read books. Like I love learning. And yeah, I think, I think because I've always enjoyed that piece, communication has, has always been a strength of mine as well. Well, and I think, you know, you hit on a couple of things. I could go a couple directions here because one, one thing that I think is happening in our country right now is you, you almost, you, you have these new graduates that are coming out of school and it's like they obtained something like, okay, I got that education out of the way. And yet we're meant to be lifelong learners. And I love that about you, you know, and yet I think some things that hold people back is that it's kind of that imposter syndrome. They like, look at, look at people like you that are so successful. And they're like, how could I ever do that? What would you say, you know, if somebody was in a position right now where they were thinking about hiring themselves, Mm. what are maybe some of the three things that you would suggest straight away, like make action in this way? Ooh, that's a really great question. I think the first thing is to be very, very clear on exactly one person. And when I say one person, I don't literally mean like you're only going to help one individual ever in your life, in your business. But when you are talking about your ideal client or your ideal customer, I really believe in the power of one. That's what I call it in, in my membership. So you you pick one identity, one specific person that you help with one specific pain point, one problem, not, I mean, I know that you guys are multi-talented, so you probably like, well, I could help people with this, 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 that, and the other. That's awesome. But if you really want to grow and you want to, you know, create momentum as a new business owner, as a new entrepreneur, and you want to hire yourself, it's really important that you just focus on one problem that you can provide one clear solution, outcome, result, transformation, whatever you want to call it, one clear solution, one clear transformation for. and. If you can get super, super clear on that, you're already going to be miles ahead of people who have been in this game for years because that clarity makes you magnetic to your dream customers, your dream clients, and it allows you to build momentum faster because you have focus. So, and And this would, this would be the ideal person that you would like to serve. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So like, for example, like in, in my business, there's a lot of things that I, 
could help a lot of different types of business owners with. And I do, right? Like in my community and my, we've had over like 7,000 students take our courses. So we have all sorts of different business models that we've helped. But if someone were to ask me today, Ellen, who is it that you help? I probably wouldn't say, you know, business owners or entrepreneurs in general, I would pick a specific identity and I would say, I help service-based businesses or I help clients-based businesses. So it's it's a very specific type of person. And I help them with a very specific desire, which is to get consistent clients or to make their first 10K month. And I help them do that by avoiding a very specific problem they have, which is that they don't have a large audience. I serve people with small audiences. And so that's just an example of how you can use clarity in your messaging to to really attract the people that you want to help and you want to work with. So I think that's tip number one. Uh, tip number two I would give to a new person is to, to invest in your network. I think it's very easy when you're new to business to get caught up in the tactical, in the how-to, and you think, oh, if I just learn this magic strategy, then this is going to be what creates growth for you. And while it's important to hone in on your skills and learn those skill sets, nothing can replace the power of a of, of a good network of people who care about you, of people who you're connected to that can refer people to you, that can be a resource for you, that can lift you up alongside of them. And so I think investing in your network is crucial. Part of that, would you say, is your your mentors that you are you're also paying probably your coaching and things that talking about investing in yourself, right? A thousand percent. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And to that point, I would say even as a third thing, I mean, I, I, I really believe that, you know, it goes network mindset, skill set in that order in terms of what you're investing in. But to your point, Lisa, investing and actually spending dollars early on. I'm not saying stretch your personal budget and put your family in like a a bad financial situation, not that, but don't be afraid to actually invest, even if it's $10, because I think that when you show up and you have skin in the game, you are much more likely to take action than if you try to do everything yourself without any guidance. And so I think that guidance piece is really important and it plays into investing in your network too, because there are times honestly, where I've invested in courses or programs where the actual tactical of what I learned in that program maybe was not applicable to my business, or maybe I already knew it. So it was just review, but the real value came from the relationships I developed with either Mm -hmm. the coach and mentor or my peers in that community. I so, I so agree. I, I actually think that's been the most valuable thing. And when I think about every course I've absorbed, but yeah. let's talk about that a little bit, because one thing I experienced when I was a new entrepreneur is I, I realized looking back that I was a little out of sequence, mm. meaning I, you know, took a funnels course when I didn't even actually have anything to put in the funnel, you know, like, right. you, know what, you know what I mean? Because I do think it's important to have a sequence. And I love that you put mindset and network before skill set because I really believe it's 90% mindset to be successful, 10% totally. skill set. Yeah. But, but think about like, if you were, you know, kind of, you know, adding to that, that last question, mm-hmm. So 
what would be maybe a sequential series of like, if you were going to take something from you, for example, or, you know, other colleagues in the market, what would be a good kind of starter, you know, course or, or coaching type program? Well, I would love to help you with that inside our membership. Of course, we actually, we go dive into that a little bit. Tell, tell our audience about that. Sure. Yeah. So our, our annual membership cubicle to CEO, we, we really help I would say entrepreneurs at the beginning or middle of their business building journey. So we, we have people who come into our membership who like, actually, for example, one woman, she literally joined on the day she quit her nine to five. So she, she didn't have anything. Okay. It was like no clients, no, no offer created, nothing, no website. So we help people in that stage. And we also help people who have existing businesses and are trying to grow. And I, the way that our system works. We call it our consistent clients cash flow system. And no matter what phase you are in your business, I send everyone through what we call our foundations framework because I really believe that clarity in your messaging and having quality evergreen content is so important and and making sure you understand your offers and your pricing. That is so much more important than me teaching you some marketing strategy right off the bat. Although of course we do get to that in the program, but to your point, Lisa, where you said, you know, like at the beginning you were learning funnels, but you didn't even have like an offer for your funnel, right? That backwards kind of step. Same oh, idea. So I've done everything backwards, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's okay because you don't you don't know any better when you start, right? You just kind of are you're you're a sponge and you're soaking this knowledge. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, like it's important that there's a reason that I put things in the order that I do, because like you said, if I teach you, for example, how to generate traffic or how to close somebody, like close a potential lead, um, into a sale, that's not helpful to you. If you don't even know who you're supposed to be helping, how you help them, what your service looks like, what it's priced at, all of these foundations are so important to get clear on first. And I think Another big mistake I see new entrepreneurs make, Lisa, and I don't know if this is something you've experienced yourself or you've seen happen as well, is that people place a heavy emphasis on the appearance of having a legitimate business, meaning like they invest a ton of time and money into building a website. Did that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Building a website, creating a logo, writing a mission statement, printing a thousand business cards. And they're like, all right, this is what it takes to get my foot in the door. But truly those are, those are what I call like icing on the cake. Like it's great to have that. But if I were, if you only gave me one hour with someone and their first $100 and asked me like, where are you going to invest this? It would not be any of those things because if you build it, they will not, they will never come. (laughs) They will not come. So having a great website doesn't, doesn't mean anything. If you, if you don't have the messaging and the offer to back it up. So yeah. And yet then there's that, it's that balance though, because one of my mentors, I'm so blessed to work with Alex Stern. He's the inventor of constant contact. And he has this, this phrase, he says, think big, act big. So on the, on the one hand, it could be something as simple as like, don't just have a Gmail address, email address, Mm -hmm. like have an entity that you create Let's, let's kind of shift a little bit because, you know, you and I, I first connected you with, with you because of your financial wellness, which I so admire. 
especially in your age group, Ellen. And let's just talk about that journey that you made sure that you were financially sound after graduating. Mm -hmm. And then I want to get into that a little bit. Absolutely. I love sharing this story. So basically my, my start into college was a little unconventional in high school. My dream university was USC university of Southern California in LA. And I had dreams to go there, get my broadcast journalism degree. I wanted to be, you know, a correspondent in the entertainment industry, all these, you know, big shiny lights. And I got rejected. I did not get in on my initial application. And, you know, that could have been crushing. That could have been like, all right, that's it. We're done. But I actually appealed my rejection and got in. They accepted my repeal and or appeal, sorry. And I was admitted as a spring admit. So what that meant was fall because they were on a semester system. So fall semester, the first basically six months of my freshman year, I, I just worked, I I was at home, you know, working. I actually, I think at one point had three different jobs trying to save up before I moved to LA for the spring semester, which started in January. So I went there and completed my six months and loved my freshman year, loved my experience, loved my dream school that, you know, lived up to everything that I thought it would be. But what I realized was if I was going to stay there and actually graduate from that college, I was going to end with around $200,000 in student loans. And I think the gravity of that, especially knowing the industry that I wanted to enter into, you know, journalism in the entertainment industry, I mean, it's not going to pay well. And so I realized that as much as I loved this dream of mine and, and what I had envisioned in my head, I, I didn't want to put myself in that situation. And so I ultimately transferred home to Oregon State a University, which is in my hometown of Corvallis. And they didn't have a journalism program. And so I actually, at that time, it was kind of, again, I really believe everything happens for a reason. So at that time, I had just discovered a, a newfound love for weightlifting and fitness and going to the gym. And so I was like, you know what? I if I'm going to be in college, I really want to study something that I'm actually genuinely interested in. So, I switched my degree to exercise science, which is so if you knew me growing up, you'd be like, "You got a science degree because that's, that's weird." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, yes, that is what my degree is in. And by going to a state university and working my way through college, I actually was able to graduate debt-free. And what was really interesting about that journey, Lisa, is I didn't actually think about graduating debt-free until the summer of after my junior year of college, right before I entered my senior year. I got this book. Many of you have probably read it by Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover. And I love that book. Do you know that I give people that when every wedding I go to? That's really a gift that I give the whole program. It's a great wedding gift. Imagine if every new married couple read that book together, you know, changing lives. I love that. And I, Lisa and I had, you know, a discussion prior to this recording where we both talked about how we think Dave is, is a really great jumpstart into financial freedom in terms of debt repayment. He's, he's, I really think the best in the category at that, but in terms of wealth generation and other, you know, financial independence factors, I don't so much prescribed to his teachings beyond the debt repayment, but that's a story for another day. So anyways, I discovered Dave and I was like, wow, this is such an interesting concept. At that time I had about $19,000 in loans 
And I just kind of like, it was kind of like a dare to myself. I challenged myself and I was like, what if I could pay off all of this before I graduate in June this year? And I was like, I didn't know if it was possible, but I was like, let's just see what will happen. And it ended up that I was able to do it by actually May. So I I finished a month early. I love that so much. And I, I mean, there is 1.7 trillion in student loan debt that the department of education is now considered the biggest bank. Wow. What would you say to, you know, let's say you're talking to someone that is literally that USC grad with 200K Mm -hmm. in debt. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them right now? First of all, call Lisa so you can get that student loan forgiveness (laughs) I'm going, but (laughs) besides that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, first I would say I feel for you. Like it, you know, understanding that this system has been set up and rigged in such a way that perhaps you didn't have the awareness or the education you needed to make a different financial choice. And so not blaming yourself, I think is the first thing I would probably say, but also to assume accountability in terms of, all right, now that you're in this situation, what are you going to do about it? Right? Like how are you going to take action forward? I think the biggest piece of advice I've ever gotten from anyone in the financial industry that I really appreciate is raise your finance, your own financial IQ, meaning like, yes, hire the experts, but don't try to take a passive, don't sit in the passenger seat of your own journey. Oh, on, I love that. You know, yes. like don't let someone else drive the car. You should be driving the car. You should understand what's going on. And I think a lot of people want to just like give their problem to someone else and be like, you take care of it. But only by raising your financial IQ and investing in knowledge and experience and understanding of what's actually going on and opening your eyes to different possibilities and different paths to financial freedom, can you really actually make a difference in your own life? And so that would be advice number one. Well, who cares about your money more than you? I hope no one. There's no one. How great do you think the need is for financial education in our country? Oh my gosh. It's probably like Num- like top five issues, probably top three, I would say for yeah. sure. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of pressing issues in this country, but the the lack of financial education is something that I feel very, very passionately about, especially in our youth, especially in my age group, you know, millennials, generation Z. I just think, I just think it's, it's not something that is readily accessible or taught in schools. And I think that's a problem, right? I think it's a problem if you've graduated high school and you have had zero education on what is credit or what do loans actually mean or how do taxes work? <laughs> like things that you need to be a functioning adult. I think it's it's honestly it's a tragedy, honestly, that we're not taught those things. Well, even as simple as something as like the, the did I tell you about the rule of 72? No. So it's, it's considered the eighth wonder of the world and it's, it was discovered by Einstein and you just take the number 72 and you divide it by the interest rate that you're getting. And that's Mm -hmm. how long, long it takes to double your money. So you think about the average like family, they're saving maybe in a Wells Fargo or a Chase getting Mm 0.01%. So it's taking them 7,200 years to double their money. And yet where the bank's putting your money, you know, 
they're giving, they're loaning us, loaning it back to us in those credit cards. Right. So I think, you know, and I also love that you, you, you took responsibility. I think that's a great point to make because I think I see a lot of kids graduating and they are feeling the burden of this debt Mm -hmm. and they just don't know how to get out from under it. And I think I love that you just said, first of all, just own it and take responsibility. How do you feel about just in general, your generation with, you know, I've recruited in financial services for a long time. It's a very old industry, Mm -hmm. um, typically kind of run for the wealthy by the wealthy. Mm-hmm. But how accessible is it to you as a millennial? You know, how how does it feel in terms of, of accessibility? Do you trust that system? You know, things like mm-hmm. that. Okay, I have two schools of thought here. One, I don't think I think okay, it's we live in an interesting age because information is readily available everywhere and we've never had so much access to information before. Yet at the same time, you're not necessarily it's not the same way that like let's say you're taught I don't know, how to read, right? It's not something that you're just naturally going to go through like a rite of passage. It really is something you have to seek for yourself. You have to be purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. Pro, I would say purposeful and proactive in seeking that additional financial education that you're not receiving perhaps in your home life or at school through the traditional school system. So that's number one. But I think it's it's interesting because before I raised my own financial IQ, I feel like when I really knew nothing about this industry or just concepts of financial wealth building, anything like that. I feel like I did trust the systems, which that might be like a anomaly. I don't know. I can't speak for obviously my whole generation that they feel that way, but I felt like, you know, okay, like traditional financial advisors is what you do. You, you open up, you know, checking account, savings account, you have your Roth IRA, you, you know, you do your things like that. And even that may be more advanced than most people ever get to, but I, I just thought, you know, this, there's just one way, this is like the way that you build your wealth, or this is the way that you you are a good steward of your finances. But I think as I open my eyes to more and more things, you do realize that banking systems, the stock market, all of these things, like you said, Lisa, they're built by the wealthy for the wealthy. And if you're not running in that circles and you don't have those types of contacts or that knowledge or those resources, I really think it's crucial to open your eyes to other alternative paths of financial management and wealth building outside Absolutely. of just stocks, outside of just putting money into your 401k every single month because your employer told you this is your only retirement option, right? So yeah. I think the more I open my eyes to things, actually now the less I trust traditional advisors. And and one of my good friends, Ryan Lee, who is one of my financial mentors, he you know, he always says like 97% of financial advice given to you by traditional financial people are either outdated, wrong, or, right. you know, a downright lie. So I, I think it's really important to be aware. Well, and I think it's unfortunately, I mean, right now, it seems like the state of our country, most people are, it's like they're on a road trip and they don't know where they're going and they don't ha- even have a GPS <laughs> in terms of their financial road trip, you know? Yeah. So, so they end up paying, you know, 
their mortgage and their their phone bill and and then the savings is like the very last bill like 15 people deep you know <laughs> right mm-hmm. what what would be maybe are there books that you've read recently that you would recommend in terms of financial wellness after the money makeover was it what's what's the most Ooh. recent read that you've read or I you know I'm going to send you one so maybe that'll yes. be the one that you need to- <laughs> okay I'm the worst at this because I read a ton of books. And then every time someone asks me like, what is the most, re- I like my mind immediately. I know, goes I know. <laughs> so terrible. I don't know what my issue is with that. I'm trying to think. Or maybe people that you follow that you would recommend if people want to get smart about their finances, mm-hmm. you know? So Ryan, my friend that I just mentioned, we interviewed him on the podcast. And I think if you want your mind blown on <laughs> the traditional financial ways and you want to see a whole new light, I highly, highly recommend his episode on our podcast. It's called uh, How to Be Financially Free in 10 Years or Less. Oh, um, I want to meet him. Would you introduce us? Yes, absolutely. I would, I love, would love to introduce to you guys. Meet him and maybe interview him myself. That sounds yes. fabulous. He yeah. would be a great guest. So, so knowledgeable. And that, I think that alone, that 45 minutes you spend listening to that will be an excellent, excellent resource in your start to maybe exploring other avenues. Another interesting book I read, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that I agree, I agree with everything this guy says, but again, I think food for thought is always compelling. It was this book by a guy named Nathan Lotka, I want to say, and it's how to be a capitalist without any capital. Mm. Um, and it was just interesting, like the way he viewed money or the way that he like approached situations in a creative manner. Again, I don't, I'm not endorsing everything that he shares in the book, but I think that when you can look at things from perhaps a new perspective, it inspires you or maybe, you know, encourages you to continue to just develop your financial education and awareness. Yeah. Well, and I think just that, just the inspiration you give people around you know, whether your, your basic human needs are, I I need certainty or, you know, I need, you know, different things happening all the time. And, you know, I feel like you actually, by hiring yourself and being purposeful about it, Mm -hmm. it's actually is the most certain thing that you can count on is yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just, I love the example that you're giving other women in business and the youth and me, you've been a lovely this has just been a lovely conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, actually. Ellen. I know, same. <laughs> I think we both geek out on the finance part a little bit, you know, but, and I just want to just really give you kudos, especially because what I see is you really have embraced the idea of creating your own stimulus check and being your own economy and getting out of that employee quadrant into moving around the cash flow quadrant. Which oh, of course. Rich brilliant. dad, poor dad. How could I forget? Oh, by I Robert love Kiyosaki. that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now that, yeah, now that you're saying, I'm like, okay, there's like a million other books that are popping into my now. I, I love that one. And one that's sitting on my shelf, how to be, uh, or like the richest man in Babylon, I think. Babylon. Is like, yes. I love yes, that one. I, I need yeah. to read that one. I, I read the millionaire next door. That was an interesting book. There's so did you many. Read, read um, Tony Robbins, money master the game. That was a really I did good not. one. I did not. I'll send, I'll send you the audible for that one. That's a really good oh, okay. one. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I would really that. recommend that too. 
Well, I have lots of other things, but we, we're just going to have to have you on again and you know <laughs> have another time to, to chat. So, so appreciate your time, Ellen. Is there any, let us, let our listeners know where they can find you. And if there's anything right now, like you're really excited about that you want to highlight that's coming up for you, let us know too. Thank you. Well, I am an open book and, you know, as Lisa said, I geek out over financial stuff. So if you ever just want to chit chat, you can find me on Instagram at Miss Ellen Yin, send me a DM. If you are an aspiring entrepreneur who wants to create a service and get your first paying clients, or perhaps expand your client space business, you can watch a free masterclass, how to make your first 10 K month without a large audience. And you can go to ellenyin.com slash get clients to get that free training. It comes with a 10 K month workbook that you can fill out while you're watching it. Um, thinking where else my podcast, cubicle, the CEO podcast, we release new episodes every Monday. And if you also love geeking out about financials, I release quarterly income reports on my podcast where I transparently share exactly what our business makes, what we spend, what we profit. And hopefully some of those insights can help you guys along your business journeys as well. I love that part, Ellen, because I think there is, we talked about this a little bit. There's so many places you can spend your money Mm. and there's a lot of places that maybe don't warrant that, that investment because they, they don't have their own financial affairs in order. And so it's, you just giving that good stewardship around your own money, I think is such a valuable, valuable thing. So thank mm-hmm. you for that. So I so appreciate your time. I wish we had more to my Dream Big Nation listeners. I am so very blessed to be part of your day. I hope this has brought value to you. Be sure you reach out to Ellen. And if she can serve you, I am certain there's ways that she can she can find to do that. So bless you all in this amazing life journey, my friends. And I will see you soon. Hey, Dream Big Nation community. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about working with Lisa and her team directly, go to lisawilliamsco.com and learn how to hire yourself.